0: Welcome to Show Starters. This is a show all about music. Specifically, the live concert experience, records that impacted people's lives, the effects that music has on our minds, how people listen to music, and a bunch of other scattershot topics presented by the world's foremost expert on unprofessional podcasting and interviewing, me, Shay Dougal. Some of you may know me as Bomber Number One, Spiegel, or any other number of internet aliases, But here, I'm just Shay jabbering about music with close friends, celebrities, and complete strangers. Let's see what happens when we take the stage. Welcome to Show (laughs) Starters. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring in our first ever guest to the Show Starters podcast. He is a big shot Hollywood director who is at the helm for the upcoming full length Hollywood. Movie feature, Bloodborne. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show starters program, Mr. Reed
1: Schusterman. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: It's going, Reed. Um, so many people know uh know me as as one of the hosts of the Bombers podcast, where I go by Spiegel. But you can just go ahead and call me Shay here. It's all good. We're all friends. We all have <laughs> a million different internet uh handles and, and things that we use. You are um You are on internet websites, is that correct?
1: I am. I am on a couple. That's how we met, actually, on an internet website.
0: That is how we met. And actually, that's what I was going to talk to you about first today. (laughs) As I already explained in the intro, this is a podcast all about music and live music and, and things of that nature. And so many connections in my life, Reed, have been made through the live music experience, whether it being going to a show and meeting up with people that I've been talking with online, just talking to my neighbors. We met uh, for the first time on July 16th, 2017, which I remember vividly as the third night of the fish run at Northerly Island in Chicago. Uh, what were your impressions of of me? Uh, because I love talking about myself and hearing <laughs> about myself. What did you think about me when we first met?
1: Uh, well, I have to say before I talk about what I remember from that night, uh, that there were some things running through me that may have altered my memory a little bit, but I guess we met early enough in the day that I was still pretty clear headed. Um, you, Um It was
0: only whiskey out of a bag. I think at that point, it, that's
1: true. It was whiskey out of a bag. Um What I remember about you was you were one of the nerds. And I say that as the biggest compliment I, I, I can possibly give. Cause I'm one of them too. Uh, I I was I forget how I ended up where I ended up but I was hanging out a couple hours before the fish show in front of the thing and I was meeting up with a couple of people that I knew from a fish website that you and I are both on and I don't remember if we had specifically talked beforehand or if I was meeting up with somebody you already knew but I remember showing up and there being a bunch of people that were just as nerdy as I was in some, in the middle of some conversation about some obscure jam or date or something with fish. And I jumped right in and then we, we passed the bag of whiskey around. I, I don't think you were slapping it quite the way some other people were, but. Uh, no, I did
0: not slap the bag that day, but we got many strangers to slap the bag did. that you, day. Do you do you remember our pitch uh, for trying to get people to drink? Because we couldn't bring the whiskey into the show, so we were trying to like, give it away you yes. know, before everyone went in.
1: Hell of a way to open your podcast.
0: <laughs> I mean, this uh, is the first episode. If people can't handle it, maybe you should just turn it off.
1: <laughs> uh, I want people to know what's coming. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I think it was. Do you want to? I don't remember what it was. It sounds like it was. You do. It
0: was. It was. Come suck the liquid out of our hole. Uh, you know, suck the brown juice out of our bag or some something, something like that. Um.
1: Well, I think that's the thing about a fish show for me. Uh, to jump ahead a little bit, is that I'm not really the most outgoing person in my normal life. I'm not like somebody who like strikes up a conversation with strangers except at a fish show and ex- and I guess it's become a little bit more at any concert for me but at a fish show in particular there's something where you know I just feel more friendly and more wanting to engage with people around me and uh, you use whatever you have whether it's like hey do you remember this jam from 97 and how it's better than this other jam from 97 or do you want to suck <laughs> some brown juice out of this hole in my bag.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that, that some ways are more effective than others, but uh, Fish shows, I think, do really have that sense of community uh, that that maybe other shows, and certainly uh bands with maybe older demographics not talking like actual classic rock bands not just bands like fish that have been around since the (laughs) mid 80s but but like actual classic rock acts that i've gone to see you know maybe not everybody is as willing to strike up a random conversation unless it's oh the last time i saw blue oyster cult you weren't even thought of yet and it's like okay (laughs) great thanks old dude um But I think Fish really does have that sense of community. And that was actually going to be really my first actual question about live music to you is what drives you to go to as many of these shows as possible, specifically Fish, but live music in general? What is the big draw to this experience?
1: I'd say Fish makes up probably 70, 50 to 70% of my concerts in any given normal year. But it's concerts in general for me. There's two things. There's the community you can find and the people you can meet there. And I guess that goes hand in hand with the second part which is you just you can lose yourself in music in a way that or I can. I lose I can lose myself in music in a way that I can't lose myself anywhere else and specifically live music in a big dark room where it's loud and overwhelming and overpowering it's a it's a kind of zen where you you know in meditation you forget about everything else that's going on and if a thought comes in your head you acknowledge it and let it go without engaging with it and music is a way to do that and to lose yourself in what's happening in the moment as it happens and for somebody with you know anxiety problems like i have it's really calming and freeing and nice to just think about only the sound that's blasting you in the face
0: <laughs> that's an interesting take because what you mentioned anxiety and i think a lot of us who ended up who end up on the internet you don't like go on the internet you end up on the internet <laughs> being a denizen of the internet we all have these like social things and the, these social quirks and, and things that maybe we're not getting along with regular members of society as effectively but I wonder, as somebody, and myself included, as people with anxiety, how do we go to a show, especially for the first time, and get that overwhelming sense of music and the elements just kind of blasting us in the face, like you said? And how do we deal with that? How do we process that more effectively than an actual moment in society where we're talking to a stranger at a party?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I think there's something mathematical about it. You know, music is math. And I think there's something in certain good music or certain music, whether it's good or not, there's something that, you know, if you play certain notes in a certain order and then resolve it in a certain way, it does things to your brain. And if that's done correctly, uh, which I'll say correctly as opposed to good, but if that's done correctly and you're in a position where, you know, you're in a loud room then it will hit you. And there are things you can do to make it easier to get hit. You can have a drink. You can go with friends. You can just prepare yourself mentally beforehand for going to a concert. But I think there's something mathematical about it. And whether it's a jam band like Fish or, you know, a heavy metal act or whatever it is, there's something that gets beyond whatever is in your head. Because it's designed to do that, because that's how music works. And I don't know anything about music on a technical level that I can really back that up with, but that's what I feel.
0: It's it's interesting to think about. I was As you were going through that, I was thinking about how you said music is math, and then immediately I started thinking... It's it's almost like sports and it's almost like understanding how a play in sports works. Like yes. think of a football game where you have eleven guys on one side of the ball all trying to execute something specific at the same time. If that's something that you are used to as a viewer, you can look at that and say that offensive lineman was holding on that play, and that's the reason that that they were able to complete the play, because the defensive end was was really coming out of right. a good spin move or something like that. Um, music is often the same way, and and it's interesting a lot of bands frequently feature solo sections where the guitar player goes off or the keyboard player plays a solo for a few bars mm-hmm. or something along those lines but if you take a band like fish or there's a number of examples of of bands that are all playing kind of different parts at the same time but they all mm-hmm. come together to form this kind of beautiful harmony and that is that is kind of what attracts me to fish specifically um, but a lot of bands, uh, have that, have that playing in unison feel, which when it all comes together is also very beautiful.
1: Even when it's a solo though, like a, a well done solo will still have a struck. Th- th- this will tie back into my real life a little bit. I'm, you know, a writer and director by trade. Uh, so I really feel structure. That's how I come at stories when I tell stories. I I, I feel the structure, you know, the beginning, the middle, and end. Um, Right. And so there's a structure to good music. There's a structure to classic pop songs, you know, the ABAB bridge final chorus structure. And there's – when you hit a structure correctly, it – there's a reason those structures have developed because they really hit your brain in a certain way. And so there's
0: comfort in it because even, exactly. even un- unknowingly, you might be recognizing the fact that a, a song, a pop song goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Yes, like they exactly. all do pretty much. Uh, exactly. there, there is comfort in that. It's, it's like watching It's like watching an old TV show, like Seinfeld or friends that you've seen every episode, you know, every line, but there is something comforting in that. And some bands play it exactly that way, and some go the extra mile and add <laughs> extra stuff to it that I think would make the average listener uncomfortable. But I think that's what's so beautiful about it, is that they're able to take something that you're so familiar with, and then they subvert your expectations just a little bit by going that little extra mile, or with Fish <laughs> that extra 25-minute mile.
1: <laughs> well, I think like it's the difference between... Uh, On a – ignoring fish for a moment, the difference between, like, good pop music and bad pop music is the same difference between, like, a good blockbuster movie and a bad blockbuster movie. You know, it's not – neither one of them is aiming very high, but there's something when it's done well and done with care and done with – The knowledge of how it's supposed to work, as opposed, you know, when you have a solo because that's when the bridge is supposed to be, and you need something for the music. Versus, okay, here's a bridge, and how do I make this the best bridge I can? But there's something about doing something right, even when it's the basic thing that you can do. Like you said, it's comforting. It's that's what pop music is, and that's what a good classic rock song is. You know, AC/DC, for example, like most of their songs sound pretty much the same, but they're all really good and they're all really done with care. And so you put them on and it hits you in a certain way. With pop music, seeing it live, it's more like seeing a Broadway show. It's the production, it's hitting all the marks, it's the lights and the dancing. And there's Certainly, something to be said for that. I love Broadway. I'm not a huge fan of pop music, but I've certainly seen enough pop concerts that I can appreciate a big show. But I think for me, what I like about Fish specifically, but j- bands that, you know, deviate a little bit in general, is that I know the structure really well. I know what pop music sounds like. I listen to pop music and indie rock for my entire childhood and it just on repeat and so at a certain point it becomes so familiar that it's not stimulating and that's what i like about fish is there are only two things you know for sure will happen in a fish show uh, if they're playing two sets you know that the last minute or two minutes of each set will be a loud big rock finish probably Maybe it'll be the end of the encore. Then step, you don't but, even know that, really. Yeah, you don't, you don't, really don't even, even know that. Really know that, but the,
0: you, you know the the one thing you know at fish <laughs> is that at some point you'll get past a joint and you can either partake in it or you cannot <laughs> partake in it. But either way, you're coming out of that show just a little bit more stoned than when you walked in.
1: At least <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. And I I think that's what I like about fish is you don't know where it's going. You can't feel. You can feel the structure underneath it. But it deviates in different ways. It's the same thing that I really like about, you know, really surprising movies or or books. You know, there's something to be said about reading a book that, you know, hits all the notes you're expecting and it's just comfort food. But it doesn't get beyond, you know, to circle back to the anxiety thing, it doesn't shut my brain up enough because I know what to expect. So I feel it coming and – I don't want to feel it coming. So I-, I wonder
0: now, talking about this, how how did we become this way? How did we become people who were so obsessed with the process of listening to music and then going to then absorb it in the live setting that we sort of became jaded to bands that play it the same way every time, or the whole point of it is just the presentation? Um, we're, I-, I would think it's fair to say that we're probably a little bit jaded when it comes to the same old experience in terms Absolutely. of... I mean, we were just talking about deviation. Yes. Um, we need it uh, in order to have a successful, uh, to successfully have a good time. We need that deviation. So Absolutely. What was, so what was the band or the, the sequence of events that occurred in your youth? Uh, presumably the first concert you saw. The show is called Show Starters. So I do, mm-hmm. want, of course, want to talk about your first oh, concert. yeah, sure. How did, how did that experience kind of shape how you look at live music today or did it?
1: Oh well, that's really easy because my first concert when I was eight year old eight years old was Fish.
0: Okay, well uh, what's what's the next <laughs> what's the next non fish show? Because we already talked about Fish more than yeah. any listener <laughs> of this podcast would ever want to hear.
1: Uh, the, well the next show was uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this publicly, but it was in sync at Nissan Pavilion with Jordan McNight. All opening. right. Alright, so two
0: completely different experiences, right?
1: The, the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You could not get more different in concerts than those two concerts were. Um, as far as big shows, but it was it was a pop show. I was very surprised at how loud the screaming was. And I remember <laughs> not being moved by it. It was cool, you know. They came. They rappelled down from the ceiling. There were pyrotechnics, you know. The the In Sync is still a great pop band. I'm not going to shit on their their accomplishments as a musical group, but it just didn't do anything. It was just, you know, okay. I heard this song, and now they're doing it here, but it's worse because I can't hear it quite as well, and they're far away, and that was. Different that I mean, this was maybe three years after the fish shows, but as my second big concert, I do remember it being just different and not hitting me in quite the same way. And so then I spent the next few years of my life, you know, listening to emo music and being generally sad and thinking how important. And Thinking about how important I was, as you do when you're a teenager. Um,
0: thinking about how transcendent My Chemical Romance and, uh,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, man, that's. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they have aged in different ways, it's, which is interesting because I think My Chemical Romance was more easy to make fun of. Back in the day, because they had the presentation going, but they also had more going on musically, which is interesting. I think I'm trying to think what and got me to fish specifically i don 't know that it was anything direct. I think I had had that experience. I had certainly grown up listening to fish with two older brothers, and then I had moved out to California, and there was a show, and my brother was going to it, and I went to the show and that's sort of where it changed, was at the show, but it wasn't at, at your
0: first show. You're you're saying,
1: at the fish shows that I went to as an adult.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. I,
1: I I had sort of I I had had the experience as a child, and then had the the experience at the in sync show where I didn't like it. I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't great or anything. And I never went to another big pop show like that on purpose. That wasn't part of a festival, but. I think it was everything else that I had gone through. It was, I decided to become a writer and really started studying structure. I, as part of writing, I listened to a lot of music. So I'd listened to, been listening to music nonstop for six years. So it was ingrained in my head. Even if I'm not a musician, I still, I can feel music in a way that I think musicians feel music, even if I'm not a musician myself. And I think that that's, I don't know, that's a little, uh, self-important, but I well, think there's something about about being able to feel the beat in you in a metaphysical way. Jesus, I sound like an asshole.
0: <laughs> you do, but you know what? That's okay because that's what this show is all about. It's just about self-important. Essentially, nobody's. Uh, although you've accomplished more in your life than I have, uh, with a with a kid for goodness' sakes. Uh, hopefully, by the way, just moving the subject along a little bit. Hopefully, your wife's pregnancy went a little bit better than the pregnancy that your lead character <laughs> went through in Bloodborne. Tell me a little bit about... Uh, tell. Well, first of all, tell the audience a little bit about Bloodborne, the movie, and then uh, tell them about... Uh, how you went about selecting the score for that movie, because that was something that you were definitely involved in. And I wonder how your experience, your lifelong experience with music kind of colored your decision making process for for the music.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, it, it's a low budget horror movie that uh, I made last year, right yeah. before... Everything ended. Uh, it's it's called Bloodborne. It's about a couple. They're try they're unable to get pregnant, and so they've gone through infertility treatments, and nothing has worked. So they end up hiring a witch to help them get pregnant, and it works. But it turns out, you know, the baby might not be quite human, and there are some costs that they didn't know would be part of the process. And you know, it's a fun little horror movie. Uh, I'm really excited about it. it. Should be coming out in somewhere between March and June 2021. We're still figuring that out. Uh, But it'll be on demand and streaming places that I don't know yet. Uh, Don't have the details there, but I'm really excited about it. It was a really fun experience. Um, The music makes the movie. If If you don't know movies real well, then you don't know how important music is to a movie. But music is the thing that finishes a movie well especially
0: especially in a horror movie because you're you're doing so much mood setting especially like in a psychological horror movie this is probably not so much that but i I do think that you know you do have those little cues that you need to be very aware of as as the director because the audience is subconsciously listening for all of those things right
1: exactly i mean I i i'm sure you've seen on youtube you know the the recuts of you know psycho as a comedy or 40-Year-Old Virgin as a horror movie. and Or Big Bang
0: Theory with no laugh track. Exactly.
1: But it's all the sound. It's all how it makes you feel. And as much as editing and storytelling and writing and acting is all part of that, the thing that communicates that to an audience that gets them on that real intrinsic level in, in their brain is the music. Until you have the music right, Nothing really is there. And so you're editing this movie, you're cutting things together, and you're doing it in a way that you think it'll work. But the whole time when I'm watching it, my editor's watching it, my producers are watching various cuts, we're all like, okay, so it's like this, but then we'll add music to it and it'll be good. And (laughs) that's really how, how it works, that's really how movies work is music you can fix a lot of problems with music you can cover up a lot of mistakes with music if there's yeah like if
0: you saw wally like that movie was all about the music because without it that movie would have been
1: i do, oh are you hating on wally i i love wally i think wally especially the first 30 minutes are a masterpiece in how to match image with sound to create a mood no
0: you're correct that, that's what i'm saying like it wouldn't have been a great movie uh, yeah yeah. I, i'm sorry i made that point very poorly <laughs> wally is a very good movie especially as you're saying the first 30 minutes where wally is mostly alone on earth going through all the piles of yes. trash and whatever but like so much of that is is basically orchestrated by what the music is informing exactly. the audience of the situation it completely sets the yes. mood
1: Otherwise, you're right. It would just be boring. It would just be watching this little robot going around, and you wouldn't feel anything. The music is or if the telling music the sucked. story there, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, or if it was, you know, just random in sync songs, like they they that music. There's, there's. That <laughs> so if song it was a DreamWorks from,
0: <laughs> movie, then it would have been <laughs>
1: exactly really bad. Exactly. Well, they picked that song from Hello Dolly, which uh. It's not my favorite musical. I love musicals. It's not my favorite one. But that song used in the way they did it, which which part of the song did they use? How did they filter it and make it sound like it's old and coming through this old cassette player that Wally has? Like it all it's all that's why you feel for Wally in that movie is because of all that sound design and the music and the score and it makes it it that that score is very big and orchestral but it comes down and and it sets this giant world that he's in but it also comes down and is very small and emotional so you feel for him and that contrast is the point of music is it sets the world it sets the tone and to circle back to the live music thing that's why i like That's why I like music is – the good live music can take you to a place that you didn't really know about beforehand, just like a good movie can, just like a good book can, just like going on a really nice hike can or whatever. It it just hits you in a way and makes you see things differently.
0: I do think that the the memory of of a live show that you went to or like just hearing a song it's interesting how that can transport you back to a specific moment in time there are there are jams from fish shows or just just regular studio tracks that I'll listen to from a band that I really like and I'll immediately snap back to a moment in time that I remember specifically from a concert that I was at, from that where that band was playing, and they did that song. And, and I, remember, I remember how I was dancing. I remember who I was with. I remember what I ate, like, before the show, in some cases, and was maybe finishing as the first song started up or something like that. <laughs> and... It's really weird how my mind can remember things like that because it's tied to music, which is so important to me, but I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. It's <laughs> it's funny how our mind prioritizes things like that uh, just based on kind of how, how our brains are wired. And I realize I'm talking about this very unscientifically. Do you have a moment in time uh, from a show that you specifically remember? And if you hear that song or that version of that song, if you're listening to the live performance that you can so vividly remember?
1: I have hundreds of those. Give me one. Give me a good one. Hundreds of thousands. Um, Well, since it's the first episode, why don't I talk about one where you were there for? I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about July 14th, 2019.
0: Oh, okay. Actually, I did not think you were going there, but this is a good one, too.
1: They they play they open the second set with a song that everybody likes called Mercury, and it lasted about twelve minutes, which is pretty standard for that song. So talking about that, lo- e- everyone's for- like,
0: "That's so long,
1: twelve minutes! Oh
0: my god, I can't even imagine listening to one song for twelve minutes."
1: Uh, I when people say things like that, I I like to bring up classical music and how long classical pieces are because there really is something about fish that hits you it hits me in the same way that classical music does when it's com- when it feels composed and feels full and orchestral and can take you on that journey like wally from this really big sound to this really small and personal thing so cut two after the first song they played a newer song that nobody likes that much or nobody Aww. did at the time and uh Then they kept playing it for 36 minutes and change. 37? I don't remember how long. It was a very long time, but it was... It was transcendent, and that's something where if I hear some of those notes, I can see the light show. I can feel the breeze on my skin and remember which way I was looking during which parts of the song and remember how you were dancing next to me and what my wife was doing next to me and what the stranger in front of me was doing. And I can see that whole 36 minutes just straight through every time I hear that.
0: I think that's how we're going to feel about this inaugural show starters podcast when we're when we're done here. 36 <laughs> minutes of, of glory. Um, <laughs> I do think that it is important that we take a step back and recognize not everybody understands what it what what it means when fish plays one song for 36 minutes. So I know we're talking about fish again, but that's OK. That's what we know. What uh, what does that mean, Reed, when you say they played it for 36 minutes?
1: Well, they, they just the did the, they did it- the
0: chorus again and again.
1: <laughs> the song itself is about two minutes of that, 36 minutes, I think, and then they just jam.
0: Ruby Waves. It's by a group called Ghosts of the Forest, uh, which is a, uh, it's actually the, the uh, front man of Fish, Trey Anastasio, which is, it's one of his side projects, but it's uh, Ruby Waves if you want to go listen to
1: it. The the song itself is not that long, but then there's a section after the words where they hit a, I, I, again, not a musician, but I think they land on a chord progression or something or a riff, and then they just jam. And it's the same, you know, it, it's jamming with purpose. It's jamming where everybody is listening to each other and just changing what they're playing. So it's not like the guitarist soloing for 36 minutes, which would be awful. The song gets to a certain place where everybody can just play the same thing. And then you just, the the people on stage are playing what they feel they're playing. They're changing the riff up. They're playing a new thing. They're listening to what everybody else is playing and playing something new. And they did that for 36 minutes before playing another song. And they did it really fucking well. Sometimes when they're doing that, on stage, you know, they, and they'll they admit to this as much as a listener will, I, I believe. But sometimes it's not very good. And I like it. It's still fun. But it's just not getting anywhere new. It's not doing anything interesting. It's just kind of killing time. They're
0: not syncing up properly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And yeah. that's like watching a boring movie that still has, you know, a good actor or some funny jokes or big explosions or whatever it is you're getting out of it. It's still fun. But it's not... It doesn't move you. It doesn't do anything emotional to you. It doesn't stop you from checking your phone every couple of minutes because what if you got an email or a text or whatever? And when they played this song for that long and it was good for that long, it I, – I don't it know. It transports ha- you. It, it has, it has you. to, Be- Yeah.
0: Because there's no other way to explain the fact that 36 minutes of my life passed by – and I looked at my watch about maybe twenty five, twenty six minutes in, and I didn't really understand how it had already been twenty five minutes.
1: I remember the look on your face when you looked at your watch for that. I remember. The I specific- was so confused. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but it was, was like, so how, com- how is this possible? Like we're we're twenty six minutes in. Like did, did I count wrong? Like where's. And then you know that show went on a long time, too, like that was a three hour plus show, and they don't yes. usually play that long, yeah, so like they left it all out on the on the floor for us that night. but I mean the again, it transports you, it takes you to a place where mentally time seems to stand still, and you're almost existing within the music and within the experience itself, and that there, there is no other meaning apart from what you're experiencing and that That's my personal favorite thing about the live experience. Is that you get that moment, that that it moment, as as they call yeah. it? Um, it's it's, it's funny really special.
1: You describe it like that because I know you're not a psychedelic user the way I am, and that's the way I would describe psychedelics, related to music or not. Um, but that that's what it is for me. That's it's that feeling of losing yourself, of ego loss, which can happen without psychedelics if you're in the right state of mind and the right place and the right things happen and you let yourself be part of the experience and the experience then lives up to that expectation. And that's what good live music does. It lives up. You heard it
0: here first, folks. (laughs) Music is like drugs, only with less drugs.
1: It really is, though. It it really, really is. (laughs) A
0: major takeaway.
1: It's... Uh,
0: also, it it must be nice to uh, to have a job in a creative position where you don't have to worry about talking about your uh, your psychedelic <laughs> use. I, I envy you.
1: It, it, it's it's pretty nice to be able to man. I would hate to have to <laughs> never talk about that. Uh, but it, what I like about live music, which I have experienced psychedelics at live music, certainly, but it's not something I need for that good live music is will take you there without that you can close your eyes and not realize that 26 or 36 minutes have passed if it's done well and there are certainly people who can get there when they see bands that are just playing the album version but maybe a little louder or the solo has an extra four bars or it's exactly the same as it is on the album but,
0: or maybe it's just a really special defining moment in their life. Like exactly. the first concert I ever saw was was Weird Al Yankovic. I was seven years old. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there's nothing really transcendent about the Weird Al experience. But for me as a kid, it was so amazing to be seeing at the time one of my big, like all time biggest personal heroes. Mm-hmm. Like he's right there. Like that in itself is an amazing feeling.
1: And. When you're seven and when you're hearing those songs and you're hearing them live and you're feeling the vibration of however many thousands of people around you are responding to it, it tickles something in your brain. It. it, really like there's a physical response that happens and there's something when in hearing the people cheer for it and hearing the music played loud enough to dance to it at the back of an arena as opposed to just off of your little sound system in your room or whatever there's something about having your cells vibrated like that that
0: nothing like a little self vibration (laughs) to kind of get you going (laughs) Uh, it, it, it really, yeah, I think you got it, it.
1: it makes me. it makes me forget about all the shit I have going on a good show just you can move you can close your eyes and let the light shine through your eyelids like you're waking up from a good dream and a good show just gets you to that spot and keeps you there for a long time
0: it's kind of like why in uh, in 2020 when we're recording this podcast, I sort of feel like I need it more than ever. A lot of us, I think, need <laughs> that more than ever right now. It's been a hell of a year, my friend. And the, uh,
1: the, oh yeah. man, I, I normally we'd see we'd have seen each other sometime in the last year uh, at at one of these shows, and we have not. That's quite disappointing. Yeah, that's the other funny um, the part thing- about
0: fish is that is that fans are so willing to travel. Like I see Reed every year, even though we live two thousand miles away from each other, and it's not even like an appointment thing. Like, oh, I we should, you know, we should set a week to hang out. It's just we end up at the same place. It just happens
1: <laughs> with with surprising regularity. Yes. Um. The the thing that I keep missing most this year is live music. I I've compared to many people this year had a pretty good year i had my my movies done and that's getting out into the world i had a baby who's doing very well the one thing i miss really really miss is live music and being able to lose myself outside of myself in that way as opposed to whatever meditative bullshit i do on my own to keep <laughs> myself sane i really miss that and that that's Uh, I can't wait for that to come back. Cannot wait.
0: the The first show, I think, regardless of the band, I could go see. You know, and I mean the first real show, not this drive-in crap. Okay, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Um, and I think the first the first show back is is going to be so unbelievable from the first note to the end. Like, just you really realize you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder because you realize what you've been missing the entire time and taking basically a year off has been rough.
1: It it makes me realize how, I'm I'm annoyed, you know, God, I hate to be that person, but I really feel like I, I'm going to go to a show next year sometime, God willing. And uh, it'll be a really mediocre show and I just won't care at all because I just miss the experience of Trying to get there, even if it doesn't get there for me, even if it's a mediocre show with mediocre music and a mediocre venue, the fact that you're able to do that, man, I I miss that shit.
0: Being there, the community with the other people, I I think it's it's all part of it. And I think I think we can easily sum up that that is the live experience to us is is the being there, the community, the feeling the entire experience, not just not just watching it on a stream or from your car. It's the whole thing. Um, maybe that turns yeah. some people off, but certainly not us. Um, Reed, we're about out of time, I think. But uh, All right. Do you have any, any final thoughts, anything you want to put out there?
1: Well, just one thing I've been thinking about this whole conversation that hasn't worked in any other places, just a little story that I've been thinking about. I saw Dr. Dog open for my morning jacket once, and I'm a big Dr. Dog fan, especially – in that era their songs are played pretty straightforward compared to the album but they they're it's different enough that it gets me there but this show uh, right when they came out there was some kind of technical issue i don't know if it was with the lights or with somebody's sound system but they ended up turning the lights down while they were figuring it out on stage and while they were figuring out whatever they were figuring out, the band just kind of jammed for 10 minutes in a way that they don't do as a band publicly. But they were just, you know, riffing and making noise and changing the beat up. It was the most compelling part of the show because it wasn't the album version of the songs and it was wasn't great. You know, it, it was, you know, it was a practice session or tuning or a sound check, basically, but with a drum beat. And it was just free. And mm-hmm. as, as I just, that's what I like about music is not knowing what's coming next, not knowing how I'm going to feel in 30 seconds about whatever's happening. And whether it's good or whether it's bad, that's what I really get out of live music is just losing myself in it
0: it was an absolute pleasure having reed schusterman on my show today to talk a little bit about the live music experience and a little bit of music in general Uh, we hope to do many more episodes of show starters in the future if you're interested in being a guest on the show guess what i'm not popular or famous enough to be booking mega ton celebrity guests five years down the road shoot me a line send me an email at at gmail.com as we continue along the Bombers network of podcasts or whatever the heck you want to call it. Show Starters is going to be a podcast that is released fairly sporadically, so don't get too addicted to the awesomeness of the episodes because you're not going to get them necessarily every single week. But I did enjoy doing the show with Reed today, and I'm very excited in the future to bring you more show starters. So keep listening to music, keep the hope alive that live music will eventually come back someday, and rock on into the new year, probably.